Well, this morning we are continuing in our sermon series called Away in the Wilderness. We chose this series because Lent is supposed to kind of mirror the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness before he began his ministry. And the 40 days for Jesus were all in preparing him for the ministry that was to come. So each year we have these 40 days leading from Ash Wednesday to Easter that we focus on repentance and prayer and fasting, all to try to realign our hearts and our lives with God and what God has for us. As we looked closely at the Old Testament passages leading to Easter this year, we were struck by a common thread through all of the scriptures, and it was this thread of yearning for more. Some of these people were in actual wilderness when they were yearning for more, and other people were in metaphorical wilderness, seasons of life that seemed unfruitful. Yet time and time again in these Old Testament passages, we see that God makes a way in those moments of uncertainty and doubt, often when it seems like there could be no way. So our scripture today is centered on a man named Abram. But before we read the scripture, I wanted to ask, what do we collectively know about Abram? You can just say it out loud. Patriarch. Patriarch. Yes. He became Abraham. You may notice me going back and forth because it's kind of hard to go back to Abram. God made him a big promise. And he had to wait a long time for it to be fulfilled. Yes, Abraham is someone that we know a lot about. He is mentioned almost 300 times in the Bible. And starting in Genesis chapter 11, we start learning about Abram and why he is important to our faith and to our Bible. When they're introduced in Genesis 11, It is an interesting timing because it is a creation that is teeming with new life and all of the hope for a future, and we're introduced to this couple, Abram and his wife Sarai, who would later be Sarah, and it seems that she is the first person in the Bible who was childless. But still, this is the couple that God chose to be the matriarch and the patriarch of a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. But there was kind of a problem, or a hurdle at least. They were kind of old. They were past the age of childbearing. And so when God chose them to be the leaders of this new nation, to be the mother and father of descendants that would outnumber the stars, they kind of thought, well, this is an interesting promise, but I'll believe it. So Abram, starting in Genesis 12, was completely obedient to God. Abram left his country and his father's house in response to God's command to go, and he didn't ask any questions, but the whole time he's doing all of this, he's remembering this promise that God made, that they would be the parents of an heir that would lead to all of these descendants. So he goes when God says to go. Time passed, and they were pushed out of Negev by famine, so Abram went down to Egypt. He prospered there. He left Egypt rich with cattle, silver, and gold. But still, when they came back, they were childless. Abram journeyed back to Bethel and gave Lot the first choice of land to settle. Again, God commanded Abram, promising, telling him to keep walking to the land that I will give you. 
but still there was no child. Later, Abram rescued Lot, who had become a prisoner of war, and returning from victory, Abram gave Melchizedek a huge tithe that they had won, and Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abram by God, most high maker of heaven and earth. But again, there was still no child. So when God spoke again to Abram in Genesis 15, which is our scripture for today, Abram had some questions for God about how this promise would be fulfilled. Hear now our reading from Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep darkness, sleep fell on Abram, and a deep, terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land. May God bless the reading of the word. Well, because we know how this story ends, it can be tough to empathize with Abram's frustration and questions here. Like, we hear what he's saying, we understand he's ready for the child now, but we just want to say to him, Abraham, by the way, that's going to be your name soon, you have nothing to worry about. God is going to do this thing which God has promised, even though it seems impossible, even though the hurdles are so large, Sarah is going to have a baby, and you will be forever remembered for your legacy of faith. Don't even sweat it. It's all going to work out. But Abram is sweating it. He has dropped everything to go and do what God has called him to do, remembering that God has made him a huge promise. He has been obedient. He has been faithful. He's even become wealthy along the way. But he's still missing the one thing that he wants and that he needs, a child. Tired of waiting and beginning to feel doubtful, Abram questions how or if God can do this thing. He begins to wonder if perhaps his slave will be the one that will inherit his inheritance and become the heir to the throne because he's not seeing how this could happen. You know, rarely do we get a glimpse into people's lives like this, the moments before, 
with social media, all we see are the highlight reels. We see the good stuff. We kind of miss the moments of hoping, of praying, of waiting. A lot of times we just skip to the fruit. But in this case, we could even flip to the New Testament and read Hebrews chapter 11 and see that Abraham was known as a man of faith. He's in the hall of faith, as they say. We could list and number the times that Paul mentions Abraham, that Jesus mentions Abraham. We could tell him it's all going to be okay. But for Abram, not Abraham, for Abram, here in this moment, he is in the middle. He is between what was and what will be, between who what was his life and what will be his life. And I, for one, am kind of glad that we have this story because can't we all relate? Haven't we all found ourselves in a season of wilderness and wandering when we feel that our life is changing in some major way? We feel the ground shifting beneath our feet and we are desperate for it to just be still so we can get some semblance of normal again. I really think that this happens throughout our lives. Perhaps for you, you felt this shift when you retired from your job of 40 or 50 years, and all of a sudden you're left to think, who am I when I'm not working anymore? What is my identity? What is my purpose outside of this job? Perhaps you felt a similar sting when you sent your first child off to kindergarten or when your last child went off to college. Again, you're at that crossroads. Or what about when we have hurricane season or tornadoes and we lose power and we're caught in that moment between knowing if our people are okay or if our people need help? Or what about the agony we have all felt when we or someone we love has been given a terrible diagnosis and we wonder what will life look like on the other side? What will be normal after this? Or... Perhaps the story today hits a little too close to home, and you, like Abram and Sarah, have been praying for a baby, and you've been waiting and hoping and praying desperately for a yes. Being human means that life is full of seasons like this, seasons of big change that can cause us to feel anxiety about a future that we cannot control even a little bit. When Abram finds himself in this place, he asks God, he questions God, he lets God know what he is concerned about, and God assures him, first with a verbal promise and then with an act. The verbal promise, he takes him outside, he says, look up at the stars. If you can even imagine it, count all those stars, and that's how many descendants you are going to have. And then he takes it a step further. He tells him to go and get all of these animals and to cut them in half. And this was called cutting a covenant. It's a very gruesome and um, gory way to think about this. But this was a common practice at the time to make a covenant, to make a really strong promise to show how much the person was determined to uphold their end of the covenant. So Abram cut these animals in half and laid each half on the side of a walkway, and what would happen is two people would walk through the blood of these animals to symbolize, I'm going to keep my promise lest I become like one of these animals. 
put to death. So remarkably, at the end of this passage, there is this smoking fire pot that comes down in Abram's vision and passes through the animals, symbolizing God, who has made this promise to Abram, made this covenant with Abram, I will give you the heir, the offspring, the child that I promised long ago, and you can trust me. And this is where our passage ends. With a promise of a sign in the sky, the stars we can look up to, with a flaming fire pot going through these bloodied animals, and hope that one day a child will be born of this couple that is far too old to have children. But even with all of this assurance, there's still no concrete answers. There's no timeline. There's no inception on the spot like we have with Mary in the New Testament. Nope. Abraham and Sarai must wait, trusting that everything will work out, not necessarily to their plan, but to God's plan. This morning in both of our services, we've had this beautiful reminder of God's faithfulness. In the 9 o'clock service, we baptized Lane Jones, and this morning we've baptized Caroline Foshi. And I've just been so struck this week thinking about this passage in conjunction with these beautiful baptisms. It was God who knit Caroline together in her mother's womb. It was God who made a way for her to be born in a pandemic. It was God who has brought her this far to this place today. And it will be God who leads her and carries her throughout the rest of her life. When we celebrate this holy baptism, this sacrament, and welcome a new person into the family of God, we are reaffirming our faith in God. Faith not meaning that we understand everything or that everything is exactly as we would hope it to be, but faith that God is still in control. Lane and Caroline are both children that are miracles, and a reminder that God is still working in the world, creating life and redeeming all of creation. So our text today, our text when Abram is in the middle, before he knows how this promise will be fulfilled, before he has that assurance, before he has seen that child, reminds us that our life of faith is not about immediate gratification or always getting the answers that we would choose, that we think is best. But instead, it's leaning forward into the vision that God has for the world, even when the horizon extends beyond our sight line. Our challenge, like Abram's, is to believe, and then to live as if we believe, even when we're still in the phase of waiting, when we're wandering in the wilderness, when we're wondering what will happen next. So as we continue in these 40 days of Lent, may we remember that God has been faithful before, and surely God will remain faithful in the future. Let us remember that God's promises are for all times, for yesterday, for today, for tomorrow. And let us not forget that the promised presence of God goes with us through all of our seasons, guiding us each and every day of our lives. Thanks be to God for this gift. Amen.